0: And now, we join the committee, selecting the new Watford manager. And now, live from space, the 200% podcast with football 365ian King and Edward Carter. Hello, podfans, and welcome to 200% podcast number
1: 312. 312.
0: You got anything
1: about that? No, because I completely forgot. Ah. I've been an absolute shower of shit this week. I've got an awful head cold. Oh, yeah. And it is one of those that is in my head and my head alone. It's really weird. I'm coughing a lot, but um, but I'm coughing... From the uh, from the throat rather than the chest,
0: coughing from the front rather than the back.
1: Yeah, I feel like I've got a great big pappy and mache head on.
0: Well, we have discussed that for you in the past. Uh, I, I don't think it's a bad idea.
1: Well, I think the last time we discussed this. I was going to end up wearing a giant papier mâché head, and the, the the face was going to be painted as you.
0: Oh yes, you were going to be the um, guest on the EFL football highlights show on Quest. Yeah, yeah. Because you know they have uh, they 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 have what's the word? I was going to say nobodies, but I think that. <laughs> the word is journalists, you know, football journalists, of which you are now one.
1: Yeah, but I replied to that by saying it It would be a cold day in hell yeah. before I go on the television. I just cannot think of anything worse. I literally can't. I would hate it.
0: So have you got a, a match where the attendance was 312
1: or not? <laughs> yeah, of course. While well, you've been playing for time. Yeah. While playing for time making your
0: yeah. papier mache head yeah
1: with your face on it
0: with my face on it there's a lot of newspaper required there yep saturday
1: the fifth of august twenty seventeen f a cup extra preliminary round liverland r e m y c a two a f c liverpool nil okay Goal scorers, Colin MacDonald after 52 minutes and Lennon Wewell after, or Wewell, it might be Wewell. I don't know. It's W H E W E W L. And I'm not quite, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Anyway, he scored the second goal.
0: Well done to him. And 312 people. 312 people. Were there, 312 hardy souls.
1: Though all oh them hardy, hardy souls,
0: we should probably talk about football
1: at some stage. Ah, uh, yeah, go on then, because I I haven't had enough of that today.
0: In the absence of any better ideas, uh, and and with a bumper crop of listener questions, this episode, I think, is going to be very much a a listener question heavy affair. Uh, But uh, some of the listener questions we've we've been asked did touch upon some of the major topics of discussion of the week.
1: I'll tell you what, I do... um... I completely forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> <A> fucking idiot. <laughs> I got distracted by something. And I'm not even sure what it was. <clears throat> Well, I have to say, we do get a good quality of listener question. You know, if we had a terrible quality of listener question, I'd be I'd be looking at the prospects of this with some degree of dread. But um, we always get good questions, always.
0: Uh, yeah, there's an interesting cross section as well uh, uh, of many different uh, layers of the football onion, as, yeah. as, it, as it were. Let's begin at the beginning with the most topical of all of the questions, which was asked by Darren Leathley. Okay, yeah. Are Watford football club in the Premier League? Are Watford now caught in the same space as Norwich City, Fulham and West Bromwich Albion? Not good enough for the Premier League, too good for the Championship.
1: Well, I mean, that's something that is ultimately self-perpetuating now because of parachute payments you know there, there isn't some sort of magic formula by which teams bounce between these two divisions they are genuinely in that space because then they're, they're not good enough to stay in the premier league but at the same time they have such a huge financial advantage yeah over the clubs uh, in the championship that it's going some to really get it wrong the financial gulf is just absolutely enormous there was one season when one of the seasons when aston villa were in the um, in the championship and i forget who the lowest team placed team was it might have been rotherham i'm not sure about that but their average weekly wage for a player was something like 11 or 13 times as much. That is a level of inequality that does not exist in the Premier League. The best paid players in the Premier League are not on 11 to 13 times the average. They might be on four or five times the average. It is a vast gulf in resources. So Watford are in that league. And that league is starting to kind of solidify. And I think it kind of suits them perfectly well at Watford. Because the Potts don't give a fuck about that club. (laughs) Couldn't care (laughs) less. It is business. But if you're going into the Premier League and making 100 and whatever million... And then drop him back down again. And you're still getting a proportion of that in parachute payments after relegation. Sounds like that's quite easy to turn into a profitable organisation.
0: So I mean, presumably we can expect this liminal space filled with teams who are too rubbish to stay in the Premier League but too good to be in the Championship to solidify even further with the continual financial benefit. Of a season in the Premier League followed by parachute payments.
1: Well, the thing is, these clubs have kind of got one thing on their side, which is that that financial gap is so vast that it can overcome incompetence. And one of the things about the Championship is that there are plenty of other incompetent owners in the Championship as well. So it's not like everyone else is a genius, you know, <laughs> who's being held back. They've got plenty of ways in which they can fuck up entirely of, own, of their own accord. So it, the whole division is this kind of weird crap fest in which almost anybody could just come good, go on a really great 30-game unbeaten run, and the next thing you know it, they're 100, 100 million quid better off. Yeah, I think that... The, the Pozzos are in control of it. I think that Watford are built to survive in the Premier League or Championship. My concern is that they don't care. Yeah. And that's not a concern for the present because if it's working for everybody, it's working for everybody. But if it turns to shit and you're not going to convince me that this one particular club is somehow impervious to that or you know, to the possibility of that happening at some point in the future, unless you're claiming that, Then the question becomes, what happens then? Do the owners who don't give a shit when things are going well suddenly start giving a shit when things go badly? Or do they take it as an opportunity to just cut their losses and run to whoever?
0: Goodbye, England's rules.
1: Cutting their losses to whoever. Yeah. And or picking the bones clean of the carcass. (laughs) Essentially (laughs)
0: asset stripping that baby. Big old moose carcass.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that's my concern. And the thing is that passion on its own isn't worth anything. Mel Morris cared. Nobody denies that. But look at the fucking state of Derby County now. It has to be married, this passion, with competence. And that doesn't necessarily just mean being a good businessman it means knowing when to stop
0: let's discuss the competence of the Pozzo brothers or otherwise because one thing that has been thrown into sharp focus over the weekend i mean we were watching match of the day on saturday and i said unto you that zisco munoz looked absolutely doomed and yeah. in fact he was absolutely doomed. Yeah. But this re- sort of revolving door where managers come along and they'll manage for, a, usually it is literally a, a season and then they'll be moved on. <laughs> is that is that a business decision? Is it just an affectation? Is it madness? Because it, the thing is, at the end of the day, it does seem to have worked. Yeah. Contrary to all the conventional and received wisdom about doing that, they do seem to be able to pull it off. Well, you can
1: argue until the cows come home about whether that's because or in spite of the Pozzos. You know, it's it's really difficult to say, isn't it?
0: You know, do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, they've had 14 managers. Fourteen separate managers. Some of them are, have had a couple of spells since July 2012, when they took over. Incidentally, when they took over, the manager was Sean Dyche, one of your favourites. Yeah, and they sacked him.
1: Yeah, I mean it makes sense for a manager to take the job. I'm never going to criticise a manager for taking the job, and the, the there are there are several reasons for that. Um, the most of which is that it's a cutthroat world for a, for. A football coach out there you know if a job is coming along in the English Premier League or the English Championship where they are going to be paying a lot of money you don't think too much about three or five years time because no if you somehow find yourself in a position in which you're turning down an offer you never know whether it's going to be your last one yeah. so you know I, I'm 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 on the manager's side over it I happen to think that Ranieri and Watford are quite a good fit, to the extent that Watford are capable of having a good fit.
0: It's nice to have Ranieri back around. Uh, I mean, it will only be for, probably at this stage, seven months.
1: But still, you know,
0: seven months of Ranieri isn't
1: so bad. It looks crazy because it shouldn't work. And like I say, it's unquantifiable because there is no, you know alternate timeline in which they just behaved as any other club does over their hiring and firing of managers or head coaches in
0: fact interestingly you could argue that there is an alternate timeline and that's the alternate timeline that comes about with uh, Sean Dyche getting the sack at Watford he more or less immediately landed on his feet with a job at Burnley and has been there ever since well, yeah, I suppose. So Watford and Burnley, there's there's your 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 sample, your scientific sample, and it turns out pretty much for muchness. These, but these these things are
1: kind of they're all push and pull, aren't they? On 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 where a club ends up in terms of its profile. So it's it's kind of interesting that yeah, he's done more or less the same thing at Burnley, but then. He's got owners that care at Burnley. You take the owners that care at Burnley and you give them Watford and maybe they'll be doing a much a, a better job with Watford, Watford than the Potsos are doing. Who knows? Who knows? You know. And and I I, at the end of the day, can only really go with what I've heard from Watford supporters, which is that they're reasonably happy with the way the last... The, the the things have been under the Pozzos, they're aware of the rep and they'll deal with that if it if or when it comes around. There's not a lot else you can do really, is there?
0: Well, I mean, if nothing else, the Pozzos have brought exciting football to Watford.
1: Well, of course, the most exciting football moment of this century occurred at Vicarage Road. So I there might be Lester
0: who will finish the Stronger. Knockout, he's got beyond Briggs, still going, knockout, goes to ground. As Cassetti leads on him, penalty! That is a massive decision! What a huge decision given by Michael Oliver. I'll tell you what, I'm not completely sure about this, I'm, I'm with Gianfranco Zola, I feel that Knockout is looking for this penalty. If Knockout, who won it, scores it, Leicester
1: City go to Wembley, and it's the end for Watford.
0: Knockout takes, Almunia saves, knockout follows in, Almunia saves again. Absolutely astonishing. Now here come Watford. Forestieri. Here's Hall. The very last kick of this playoff semi final, Troy Dini wins it for Watford and sends them
1: to When that geezer missed that penalty in the last minute of the playoff semi
0: final. But yeah, I mean, you get plenty of that at Watford. There's plenty of comings and goings, there's no mid table obscurity at Watford. It's,
1: it's fine to, you know, have, have these kind of reservations, but I don't know, you know, worrying about the future. You know, worrying about something like that. Oh well, what, what's going to, what could happen in the future if this happens and that happens and the other happens? I, whilst I understand it and it's good to be aware and it's good to understand how these things can turn to shit, I don't, I don't think there's any point winding yourself up into a ball about it because um, at the end of the, at the end of the day, there. The the future is only something that you can deal with when it comes along.
0: My personal feeling, as I've already expressed to you, is that there should be a sort of pop idol style democratic vote system for for I mean, for all managers. But I think what you could use Watford as a test case because they're going to get rid of their manager anyway, so you might as well test it out. And yeah, but it's
1: have... been done. Luton did it.
0: Well, Luton. I mean. Uh, I'm all in favor. And it was a favoured. it was a it was a
1: bent motherfucker who did what? it as well. <laughs> it was um, John Gurney. Have you not seen that trouble at the time? I have. Yeah. Wasn't it? Town? Didn't they, Wasn't
0: the manager they ended up with Mike Newell? They ended up with Mike
1: Newell. Yeah. After basically Joe Caner <laughs> took. Took uh, well. He was the existing Luton manager, and he was sacked at the end of the season. Wait, you see, and then he was entered without his consent into this manager idol com- competition. <laughs> there was there was those two. There was Steve Cottrell. <laughs> and I think there was just some other guy. Yeah, and but the thing is that he'd already decided on Mike Newell. This vote was just to make some money off premium rate telephone numbers. Uh, oh, and and to give it, and you know, ostensibly to bring some showbiz, whatever, to the club. Because this was like the time of Pop Idol,
0: you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So they called it
1: Manager Idol. And, it is.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, the thing is, the, what you're describing, though obviously it is ludicrous and it was mm. nonsensical. And anyone who's not seen that episode of Trouble at the Top, it is worth seeking out. Yeah. The... The cast of characters that you're discussing there, Joe Kinnear, Mike Newell, that is exactly the sort of thing that I want this to bring to the th- because I'm worried, for example, having watched the championship highlights at the weekend, that Mick McCarthy will never have another Premier League job.
1: Um, I think that's you know, unless he gets a team promoted.
0: Well he's not gonna do that, is he? <laughs> Well, it doesn't look, like it's, s- gonna it doesn't look like it's the... going to happen. It
1: doesn't look like it's I've, going to I've seen the state of Cardiff this season. I need to remind you that I am currently at maximum football watching capacity. Well, yeah, that is true.
0: But, I mean, but that is what I want from, from this, is a, I want it to be a straight-off, head-to-head, maybe with a debate, you know, a presidential-style debate. I want to see Mick McCarthy... And Sam Allardyce making the The thing pitch. is that you actually don't. As long as, it's, as long as it's not a club I care about, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, exactly.
1: Would it. it would be awful and fucking horrendous. And hilarious. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, next
0: question. Are we we need about... that big Mick energy. Oh, That's Christ. what we're after. The pendulum has swung once more. <laughs> In my favour. Our second question, this is a topical question, what with it being party conference season and ting, from Patrick Harrison. Following Michael Gove's comments that all government departments are levelling up, what should Nadine Dorries and the Department of Culture, Media and Sport do to level up football? and what do you think they will do um i would take leveling off at this stage well it's a it's a really
1: interesting question because no one's talking about it at the moment everything's in stasis the fanlit review has been completed tracy crouch who was the head of it has submitted her findings and they actually look pretty good. There, there is actually reason to be encouraged there.
0: Ah, oh, well that's always a red flag.
1: Yeah, but the thing is that everything's gone quiet and there's been talk you know, they they've they've done the safe standing stuff and I'm all in favour of that. I hate sitting in one place for an entire match.
0: Yeah that's some bullshit.
1: And they're talking about reintroducing alcohol To um, to grounds (laughs) and what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? What you have to remember is that what you're thinking of, because it's what I'm thinking of, those are fan parks where forty pints of beer get chucked in the air. Yeah, Um, those aren't the people in there. Broadly, aren't regular match going fans.
0: No, I mean, most regular match-going fans don't throw their beer in the air on purpose. Eight quid a pint.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can't afford to. (laughs) Jesus Christ, all right, this stuff is actual liquid gold. (laughs) I have reservations, but the thing is that they are reservations. I'm not outright against it. I think it is worthwhile giving it a go and... Seeing if people can actually be trusted to behave themselves, bearing in mind that any single one incident, any ground, anywhere is going to be amplified on social media beyond belief. Yeah. So, do I have reservations? Yes, I do, because I know what British people are
0: like—wankers. Well,
1: you know that—that's one way of putting it. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I it they gave England a Euro twenty. 20 final and look what happened yeah you know, do you honestly think that that we that we're so certain that we can be trusted with anything that requires a small degree of emotional maturity i don't know doesn't seem very likely to me my, my concern is that these two very public very much trumpeted announcements that better not be it Because that's not the fucking serious issue here. The serious issue is that football in this country needs an independent regulator that is backed up by statute. It needs a greater redistribution of money across all clubs. And it needs to remember at its heart that it's a sport, and not a fucking business, and not a fucking branch of light entertainment business. Yeah, and okay. Unless there is a fundamental recognition of those things, the fan-led reviews failed. And uh, this is our only shot. This shit ain't coming back. There aren't many upsides to having a populist prime minister. <laughs> but one of the things that you can do is game him on stuff which actually will be popular. And all of this shit actually will be popular. So if we have got to put up with all the other fucking terrible stuff, I'm still not going to vote for it, cunt. (laughs) But what I will do is take whatever I can from it, as long as it's not harming anybody else, you know?
0: Oh, well, yeah, I mean, you got it, haven't you?
1: This is the best chance that will happen in the rest of my life, so... The alternative to it, I I don't know if it's something that I'm gonna you know want to stick around in because there are clearly cracks all over the place. Whoa. The Premier League is the absolute outlier. It's like the only fucking league in the world that's making any money at the moment. Yeah, what we're seeing at the moment with this perpetual talk or now perpetual talk of a european super league is just an attempt to take ownership of it every time there's a crisis somebody will try to take advantage of it in the aftermath somebody will try to pick it up on the cheap there's always someone who will try to make a buck off the back of it that's what's happening in world football now with all these uh investment vehicles from the usa And this money coming in and nobody's quite sure where it's coming from. You know, quiet voice, loud, it's money (laughs) laundering. All all this shit going on. Just these fucking vultures circling. And at the top end is this actual attempt by a tiny number of bloated beyond recognition superclubs who seem to genuinely believe that the whole of European club football should be played for their benefit. It's (laughs) astonishing fucking hubris and I hope they burn in hell. I am enjoying every single second of Barcelona's undignified fall from grace. This is what it must have been like seeing Marie Antoinette Taken through the streets of Paris, you know, on her way to the guillotine. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine, I've got a feeling now of, 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 of I understand what that's like. And they fucking deserve this. It is entirely self inflicted. They could not help themselves. No. They were a football club that lost any fucking vision of the value of money. They had every advantage. They were the biggest richest football franchise on the fucking planet. More supporters than any other club. 100,000 capacity stadium, 95,000, whatever. <laughs> you know, internationally famous as a mecca of world football. And and all this, what is this, Mescaun club. Oh, this means more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is literally what it means, more than a club.
0: You know, yeah. can't be any more
1: obvious.
0: This means more is my new favourite football phrase. Yeah, it's
1: this means more in fucking Catalan. So fuck those guys, because they don't give a fuck about me.
0: No, oh, well, this is possibly true. It's, it's, it's definitely.
1: I don't, I, I don't know how else to express it. They are literally football's aristocracy, they have every advantage. If they want a player, they just go get the player. They don't even, They don't have to think about consequences or they've never had to think about consequences before. And um, Barcelona have fucked it. They're £1.3 trillion in debt. It's a staggering amount of incompetence. And they're still being linked with all these massive players who there's no way they can fucking afford. <laughs> Somebody needs to run for the presidency of that club on a, I'm not an egomaniac and this club needs to get a sense of fucking proportion ticket. Yeah, well,
0: I'm sure that will go down very well.
1: But it doesn't, that's the thing, you see. The problem is that these presidential election things just turn into, turned into popularity contests in which these pres- club presidents were promising to outspend their rivals and it was just this arms race. To get control of the club. That was forcing the club to spend. And then Messi turned up. And then his wages started going through the roof. Because every time he asked for a pay rise. They were so fucking petrified that they'd lose him. That they'd give him one. That pisses off all the other players in the squad. They have to get the same fucking pay rise to them as well. On the contract that he had from uh, 2017 until 2021 he earned 555 million euros. 500, more than half a billion euros in four years on one player.
0: Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously that would be uh, something that you, you would want to see statutes to prevent.
1: I mean, you can't let that happen. Who the fuck did let that happen? And how little did they actually care about the well-being of Barcelona to let that happen?
0: I would personally, I mean, from a personal point of view, I would be happy if they were able to level up football in this country by making people not be racist. That That would be a nice start.
1: Yeah, racism further development of women's football you know that needs to continue to grow i don't know you know how that how that's going to play out i don't know if it's going to stay at kind of the 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 scale that it is now or whether it's going to kind of continue its early growth because there's no doubt that it has grown and what more can be done again i don't know
0: yeah of course the second part of the of the question that was posed to us is uh, what we think they will do. And what we think they will do is kowtow and pander to the richest people and fuck everyone else over. That's what they yeah. will do.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what they want oh, to they, do. Oh, yeah. I mean, we already know. We already know that's what they want to do. The only question left is whether there is anything or anybody that can act as a bulwark against that. And the only thing that I can see is the fucking Prime Minister, which in one sense (laughs) fills me with no confidence whatsoever, but in another kind of gives me a little spark of hope that it could almost happen by accident. There is a man who understands the very football concept of falling upwards
0: oh there's no denying that you'd like
1: you'd like to you'd like to think he'd recognise kindred spirits statute and legislation is really the only thing that's going to stop it yeah I I and and, and the, it is therefore ultimately in the hands of the so government. don't hold your breath and yeah I don't expect another Labour government in my lifetime so you know it, we've 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 got a we've fucked
0: it lads just we
1: Yeah, we've got to try and uh, we've got to try and sort of, like I say, grab what we can as long as it isn't harming anybody else. The culture of the game in this country will be so much healthier if that inequality is reduced because football fans are very tolerant of inequality, you know most football supporters kind of accept their place in the overall scheme of things. If you start supporting Shrewsbury Town, if you start supporting them when you're 10 years old, if they're not in the top six in the Premier League by the time you're 30, you're not pissed off about that. Well, you no, know, There is a certain amount of knowing one's place. I'm kind of uncomfortable with it, but I think that it's pretty deeply ingrained in football's culture. You look at anybody who buys their way in, and the reaction to that from outside It's right there: nouveau money. You know, well, this country is absolutely bent double by the um, by the class system. It's a it's a like a, it's it, it, it's a collective national illness of some sort. The fact that we tolerate this certain level of, of, of inequality doesn't mean that we are going to tolerate infinite inequality. And that is where we're at right now. We have to decide whether we want to be Harlem Globetrotters or whether we want the game to actually try to get back to being about competition and about Endeavour rather than basically a pissing competition between rogue states and shady businessmen.
0: I say ask, because it's more of an essay-style question. Oh, is it? Graham Potter, discuss. Um. Now, obviously, Graham Potter is um, somebody who, you know, looms large in, in, in my mind, particularly as every time there's any rumour of a managerial vacancy now, he's the first one on the list. Spurs. Man United. Well, he's not. No, number one on the list for Man United is Gareth
1: Southgate, apparently, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> I, I I I find hilarious. But you know, don't say it too loudly. You know, well, let them let them let them keep. The, yeah, but tick- then again, let them let them keep that one ticking over. Then
0: again, I mean, Graham Potter's probably on the list for England as well at this at this he stage. Could be, could
1: be. Yeah, and
0: uh, I, th- I think everybody, you know, when Brighton find themselves a good manager, they should just fuck off and let us. You know, wh- again, it's it's the it's the inequality thing uh, yeah. rearing its ugly head again. No, like, you don't. You don't deserve it. We a good don't. Run. Yeah, we don't get to have a good manager because that's not no, our not station long. in life, is it?
1: Yep, not for long. That's the thing. That's why. I, that's why I say it's a kind of form of collective national illness. Ridiculous, isn't it? You have to so. Oh no, no, no. You don't deserve nice things. Yeah. You don't. No, we're, we're, we'll be taking those off. There. I, I. I. consider them. Uh, I consider this to be good enough for my delicate palate.
0: But anyway, the Potter. Where do you stand on the Potter?
1: Well, I watched Brighton's goalless draw with Arsenal on Saturday evening, and they were much the better team. Yeah,
0: um, well, he has got Arsenal in a voodoo-like mind grip, hasn't he,
1: Well, Ars- Arsenal, Arsenal's post-Spurs resurgence might have been a little, pr- <laughs> a little previous, <laughs> shall we say? <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: um, they were not very, they were not very good at all, really. But of course, Brighton are doomed now. That every time they fail to score in a game for the rest of their history. They're just going to get people going, eh, XG Cup, mate, XG Cup, it? Oh, yeah, well. It's been widely commented on that the difference between Brighton this season and Brighton last season is that they're taking their chances.
0: Occasionally. And
1: Yeah, well, no. No, this is the whole fucking point. They have one game when they don't and everybody's getting on their back. Holy shit, they're in the top six in the Premier League.
0: They're doing very well. You know. There's no denying. This is
1: the thing. I mean, you know, you could make a case for saying that getting a result against a top six club is a good result for Arsenal. Yeah, you you
0: could argue that.
1: For mid-table Arsenal. When pitted against a team who do give a shit and who've got something to play for and who are really, you know, right and are going well, they, two occasions now, they've been close to being top of the Premier League. (laughs) That's true. Um, And we're now in October. You know, you can't when you when you played six or seven games, you can't just put that down to it being a complete accident anymore.
0: Well, no, but I mean, I would still say that our first target needs to be forty points.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hartrick says that as well. Well, don't yeah, it? but you see, but I mean, that, that's that is the realistic.
0: Point yeah, you have here. to it be realistic. realistic.
1: It is worth pointing out that thirty five or thirty six is usually good enough these days.
0: Yeah, well, I don't want to risk it.
1: Forty is a well. The the thing is that the the bottom of the table in the Premier League is really interesting at the moment because it's a really curious mixture of things going on, and it's almost too much to keep up with. I I wrote about that this afternoon, and it's it's a real miasma. Of of different problems and little hitches and things going wrong at, at clubs. It's really interesting.
0: At the beginning of the season, I thought it would be the three Bs who would be relegated. Bright, Burnley. Brighton, Burnley and Brentford. Right. It seems so far like only Burnley are really trying to make a competition of that. Well, Newcastle But I mean, are. yeah, New, we, what we've got instead is you know Newcastle and Watford and obviously I've forgotten about Norwich City you get relegated like breathing in and out I
1: saw the Burnley game the Burnley Norwich game and they were two very evenly matched teams and you can interpret that as you wish but I would say that on the basis of the fact that Norwich lost their first six games of the season straight it doesn't say very much for Burnley that that was the case. I I don't think I'd have been worried for Burnley this time last week, but a failure to beat or score against Norwich at home indicates to me that they... They might not be up for it this season. I don't know. I mean, a lot's going to depend on what happens with my man Maxwell Cornett when he comes back, because <laughs> he he wasn't playing, and uh, he actually came on. He came on, scored, got injured, missed this game. Yeah,
0: it's not what you want, is it?
1: His brief cameo appearances have been, have been impressive, and maybe he'll make a difference. Maybe he'll make a crucial difference. Newcastle are just such a shambles. I mean, Steve Bruce is just so far off the pace in terms of just the basic. If you if you were to superimpose a Newcastle team on top of another team playing, <laughs> it would be like putting a black and white film on a on on a modern film, you know. They're just a way behind in terms of the sophistication of their movement and their tactical setup. You can see it. They always look kind
0: of leaden-footed. Is this, is this where somebody like Graham Potter is coming into his own? Because, again, there's a, I was saying to you at the weekend, there's a lot of very unremarkable coaches in terms of big names in the Premier League. That's not to say they're unremarkable coaches at coaching, of course. And, of course, Graham Potter had a sort of middling career in and amongst the Football League with a few few Premier League appearances for Southampton. Yeah. uh, And an England under-21 cap. But he's really come into his own. And this is, you know, he's somebody who is up to speed with the modern coaching strategies
1: i'm sure we had the conversation on this podcast before that whenever you speak to the naturally talented um you'll get the same kind of vibe which is that they don't understand how anybody can not do it well yeah 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 it's um and it's and i and i think we're all a bit like that if you think of the things that you're good at
0: Oh well, yeah, I don't think you? yeah, it's yeah.
1: absolutely it's. How on earth? I mean, I think, I know that you must think that about me when it comes to drawing.
0: Well, I. I, I, I how could he? Do, how could he possibly do that so badly? It does. It does make me wonder. But then again, I then remind myself that other people have different a different set of skills.
1: Yeah, yeah, but the thing is that that doesn't you know it doesn't change you in that moment does it it doesn't it's almost like a reflex reaction it's almost like a little mental blind spot that we've got
0: do you think that steve bruce can learn how to be a modern pep graham potter style coach no he's too old but does he need to learn it is the thing is that
1: it's entirely natural that this should happen. If somebody's pushing sixty years old, then it's time for somebody younger to come along. Well,
0: uh, uh, yeah, I mean,
1: that's uh, just that's just a circle of life. It's, he the, the he is starting matter, to
0: look a little bit tatty around the edges, isn't he? Steve? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the
1: truth the truth of the matter is that at this stage, yeah, it's time to step back a bit. Go down to the Championship or League One. Take your experience somewhere where you'll be appreciated. Enjoy it. You made enough fucking money.
0: I think he should just knock it on the head and go back to writing books. Well, that's an
1: alternative. But then I've read a bit of one of those books. Ah, well, they're good books. Fuck that.
0: Well, I'm I'm hoping that Mick McCarthy might do a similar thing. But I, I think they're in, you know, with the people we've been talking about today, Steve Bruce... Mick McCarthy, Big Sam Allardyce. They belong to a generation of coaching. My view on Graham Potter is that he is not that. He is the new, the new breed. Along with this, uh, what's his name? Cooper, Steve Cooper. Well, yeah. At, I mean, at Nottingham Forest. Yeah, People yeah, you've I mean, never th- heard of before, but who play three at the back and move the ball around in a very exciting way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that there is something, and I'm going to sound like a horrible snob, okay? But you know, this this is my my genuine conviction. I think that there's a possibility, or a a near a, near, a strong likelihood, that there are people who uh, exploit the fact that. A lot of people involved in football aren't particularly bright. Never. It, it, they used to call Graham Le like the professor because <laughs> he read because he read the Guardian
0: or at least bought it.
1: Do you know what I mean? It, it's like it's football's idea of intelligence is not like most people's idea of intelligence. You know, and, and and I think that this leaves areas that can be exploited. And the obvious examples of this are Tony Bloom. And, Matthew Benham, where uh, obviously Bloom is a professional gambler, he runs a gambling kind of syndicate thing. Benham was his apprentice, and both clubs kind of apply pretty ruthless science to what they do, um, and so they're identifying a gap in that market. I wouldn't be in the slightest bit surprised. If you're going to get more people like Graham Potter and Steve Cooper and Jurgen Klopp, I think, is of this generation. A mediocre player in many respects, but a cognitively intelligent player who sees around them that if they can get a foot in somewhere, they can do this better. And I think that there is a possibility that that's what's happening with coaches like this. I'm not certain, but I, 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 that that sounds to me like a plausible
0: argument. It's certainly it's a different approach to appointing Claudio Ranieri because you've just sacked your 13th manager of the week.
1: I think the thing to
0: remember there
1: is that none of this is definitively provable or otherwise. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah. And there might well be and there have been in the past, I should imagine, very smart people who've gone into football clubs and utterly fucked it up. You know? Oh, that, yeah, that, absolutely, that yes. it's happened in the past and it will happen again. But the things that go into whether somebody fails or succeeds at a football club, whether as a manager or an owner, or even as a player, is such a vast kind of colossal collection of things any of which could go wrong and it makes no difference or go wrong and it just brings the club down completely or brings the career down completely you never quite know there's always an element of jeopardy to it and that for me actually is one of football's defining features is that everybody in it is living in this state of quite high insecurity and i think that reflects
0: itself in the way that clubs behave yeah a related question that we receive from a listener. Beard Club Gary asks, how bold and fraudulent must you be in order to be referred to as a bald fraud? Well, I mean, funny you should mention that. It's difficult to put a number
1: on baldness. Well, I don't know about that, because... Um... That I can, I think, I, I think I might actually be able to put a number. Oh, okay, this is exciting. Because it was reported earlier this evening that a name that has turned up in the Pandora Papers okay. is one Pep Baldiola
0: <laughs> of um <laughs>
1: uh, of Andalusia. Okay. Wherever, um, there we go. Josep Pep Guardiola, an iconic figure at FC Barcelona, one of the most lauded soccer managers in the world, yeah, had a current account open in the Principality of Andorra until two thousand and twelve. Okay, when he took advantage of a tax amnesty in Spain introduced by then-Prime Minister Mariano Rajoy's Conservative government to regularise his fiscal situation. Until that point, the current coach of Manchester City have not declared the funds held in the account to the Spanish tax agency. Okay. That is from El País, Spanish edition. So, um, you know, I don't know. How much how much baldness does it take to be a fraud? <laughs> it's, a lo- it's a loaded question now.
0: Well, I
1: mean, I had no idea. I just... okay. I I, I need to basically strip this back and just say that I just find it funny. (laughs) It's such a stupidly puerile, simultaneously kind of weirdly offensive, but actually completely unoffensive. And also... Actually materially true.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, obviously, I mean, obviously, yeah.
1: Kind of m- meme or trope. Or I don't even know quite where you place it on that. Well, it's one of the spectrum. reasons
0: that made um, Man City versus Liverpool so exciting at the weekend, is you've got those two great philosophical styles. You've got the baldness of Pep, and then you've got yeah. the unboldness of Jurgen Klopp. That man couldn't be less bald.
1: Oh, my God. When he was throwing his arms around again, (laughs) it was so funny. I'll never stop being Pep. Pep, never, never stop. No, because um, to be be fair, he did have a point. Oh yeah, totally had a point. But that's that. That's not the point.
0: It was yeah. But (laughs) the, the sight of him flapping his arms in in bald fury at another furious bald man, Mike Dean, was. A yeah. very edifying
1: spectacle. I tell you what, I I had to write sixteen conclusions on that game, <laughs> and I tell you what, at half time, that sixteen was looking like quite a big number. <laughs> I have to tell you, but by full time, I was like. Well, holy shit, I'm going to have this done in like about three quarters of an hour. Well, yeah. Um, it's, it was a wonderful second half. One of the best I've ever That's seen. That's the
0: crystallising effect of a game of football breaking out.
1: And the thing is that it's so enjoyable when you couldn't care less. I have got zero preference between Liverpool and Manchester City, absolutely none whatsoever I couldn't tell you at all so I don't why should I care who scores next just do just do a bunch of stupid stuff and keep me entertained for an hour and a half couldn't have asked for anything more
0: much of the entertainment i got from this week's football fixtures I have to say was watching the crowd react I mean watching all of the people in wheelchairs Flipping the bird to Andros Townsend when he scored at Old Trafford was.
1: <laughs> the
0: thing is that everybody who scores at Old Trafford
1: now for an opposing team is going to do
0: that. <laughs> yeah, they should. They, How could you know? They should give and, an award out for the worst
1: one. It'll, it'll be, well, no, you've, that that was what was so great about it was that he got it a bit wrong.
0: Well, yeah, he realised too late that it's not as easy as it looks. He was on Match of the Day too because I, I, oh God, you know,
1: I watched all this live football and then I watched both Match of the Days as well. Um, he was on interviewed on Match of the Day. He was giving it all this. It was a oh yeah, it was a tribute to Cristiano Ronaldo, and I was sitting there thinking yeah. <laughs>
0: that must be why you yeah, had your that, dong out.
1: Yeah, that is some hot. Bullshit. <laughs> is <what> that is, <laughs> um, and I and, and and I I for one applaud any opposing player who wants to get in and do a slightly wrong yeah. Ronaldo jump, and if they could make it progressively slightly wronger and wronger and wronger yeah. throughout the rest of the season, that would be even better.
0: Yeah, you know, paint paint his face on your belly or something.
1: Yeah, or not even that. Just, just no, just, just. I want the goal celebration, but I just want it slightly wrong. If you go just so that by the end of the season, people are just falling flat on their faces. Yeah, bases. yeah. Well,
0: somebody actually doing it and then suffering a career-ending injury um, <laughs> would be because that that man, you know, obviously you'd be carried from the field, but he will be carried from the field shoulder high.
1: Cristiano Ronaldo probably needs to start paying attention. To uh, the early signs of osteoporosis.
0: I, yeah, I should say so.
1: I say that. I mean, I've given it all this right. He's 13 years younger than me. Well. <laughs> Football fans are such pricks. We've got two. 49-year-old man. 36-year-old, renowned for his physical fitness man. Well. To watch out for the old osteoporosis. He's renowned for a number me, of
0: other things as well that he ought to watch yeah. out for.
1: Well, yeah,
0: let, let,
1: let me let me just also remind you that um, <laughs> my mum had osteoporosis
0: too. Well, I would have liked to have seen your mum do that celebration at Old Trafford. I think it would have Go been. On, uh... okay. Now there's something slightly more sophisticated than your everyday cooking sauce. It's called sizzle and stir from Chicken Tonight, and this is the tikka masala variety. You get. Yeah two pots you see the first spices the chicken and turns it tikka red one feels like chicken tonight like chicken tonight chicken tonight
1: then the second part gives you a masterful masala sauce chicken tonight sizzle and stir one could
0: say it's a game of two halves this is our anti-penultimate question from rich b okay Does going to a match taste of anything? Going to football, for him, tastes of the pie and chips that they used to have at St Andrews or Villa Park when he was under 10. Also, as a supplementary question, he also asks, what is the windiest match we've ever been to? Oh right, I have. I saw
1: that question. I have a very specific answer to that. Yeah, one. I have. The in fact, table.
0: I have. In fact, I have very
1: specific answers to both of these. Okay, as it goes. Yep. My very specific answer to the first question is to kind of flip it on its head, which is that a hot dog, <laughs> which has been boiled in, you know, rather than like fried. You know what I mean? A hot dog sausage, hot dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of those. A frankfurter. Um, a frankfurter. Yeah, boiled onions. In a, one of those white bats things. That, that is the actual authentic taste of football. That and Bovril.
0: I think the authentic taste of football is is onions.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, onions are a common theme, aren't they? Onions kind of run along They are, Yeah, they are a unifying theme. But very specifically, whenever I am at the football and they are preparing hot dogs like like that, which is increasingly infrequent these days, um, (laughs) that smell would take me back to being a kid at Enfield. And I remember the the hut. They had like a blue hut with a serving hatch in it. And and it takes me right back there. Some bloke fishing a frankfurter out of an urn. Yeah. Full of... Uh,
0: really, but, really opaque water. Yeah. So that, <laughs>
1: that for me, is the smell of football. Okay. And yeah, yeah. so that's that's my answer to that question. What was the other, the other windiest?
0: The windiest game. Now, the windiest game I ever went to, I think it was Brighton versus Swindon Town. And um, I remember it was that they still had the fences up pre-Taylor report. But that, that wasn't stopping the wind any, and it was blowing squalls of sideways rain yeah, right yeah. up the wazoo. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, what you have to remember is, if you come from Brighton, the what you classify as wind yeah. isn't oh, necessarily going to be used the same. The, no? yeah. but we, 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 oh, we've yeah. got a natural frontwards lean because of our prevailing winds. But even th- that was... That was bad. I do like a non-league game where it's windy and that you get. I, I went to one at Worthing once where they had sort of uh, those those twisters that were just taking the ball up into a little thermal of their own. And it, it wasn't coming
1: down. Or where the goalkeeper takes a goal kick and it go go loops <laughs> up. And then comes uh, back uh, yeah, like a, like a like an aircraft. There's nothing, really, like, nothing a, like watching a
0: goalkeeper shit their pants because of the what their own goal kick has just has just done.
1: Well, well, my answer to that is actually uh, a game that I played in. Okay, when I played Sunday League, one of the pitches that we played on, in, in fact, probably the one I played on the most was uh, called the uh, Cunningham Hill Playing Fields. And it was kind of this funny little ledge, almost overlooking St Albans, which is a hilly place, you know. Um, Cunningham, it was it was, it, it was steep, you know, from where from from this it, it was a relatively small playing field, and it had three football pitches on it, and uh, we were on 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 one of the end ones, and. Uh, so we were in a and we were in a cup quarter final, a League Cup uh, knockout cup quarter final uh, against this team. And this wind on this morning must have been a solid forty miles an hour. <laughs> and it was blowing from one end of the pitch to the other. Yeah, well. So our captain won the toss and we went for the wind in the first half. Let Well, the you know, the thinking was. Yeah. Let's take advantage of it while we're fresh.
0: I have a horrible feeling that what happened at half time is that wind changed direction. No,
1: no, no, no. no. We were winning 5 0. Oh,
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Wind assisted. I
1: was in goal. I was in goal in this game. And from the moment we went out for the second half, because the thing is that when, when the wind is on your back, you don't actually notice. You know, it doesn't push you forward.
0: No, you just feel you like know? everything's working out your way. Yeah,
1: yeah. You you just notice that when you kick the ball, it goes a bit far further. I mean, during the first half, I took a drop kick that cleared the length of the pitch. It bounced, but it cleared the length <laughs> of the pitch. You know, trust me when I tell you that I cannot ordinarily do like
0: that. like <laughs> Dave Besson.
1: Yeah, it was about. I mean, it was about fifteen yards wide of the goal. But if it had been. Central, yeah, it would have gone. It
0: that would have been the highlight of your life, right
1: there. That would have been the. I would have. Reti- I, I would have retired on the spot. <laughs> um As soon as we're playing into it, you feel how bad it is, and it's like, oh shit! I've got forty-five minutes of this, and they got it back to five-four with about. Ten minutes to go and we were absolutely like 11 players in the six yard area. I I actually played in conceding four goals one of the games of my life in, in goal. And then with about five minutes to play, one of ours just got the ball and broke around about 50 yards on his own and, and won it. Uh, and we won the game 6-4 but I will never forget that because particularly the first five or ten minutes of the second half and they got one back and it's like okay we're still three up and then suddenly it's (laughs) 4-2 five minutes into the second half and then it's an hour and it's 4-3 and you're starting to to go you're starting to
0: you're starting to feel that wind pulling the skin off of your bones exactly
1: yeah it doesn't feel very nice anymore (laughs) <laughs> no, and uh, and and I I was actually thinking the other day about how many matches I must have played overall, and I've got no idea. Easily more than five, six hundred, easily. But how many of them I can remember any detail of whatsoever is <laughs> practically none. But that match, that match is a match that I do remember.
0: God, the fear on. Darren Leaflee, his second question of the episode, okay. which currently employed manager? Could do a job as a slaughterman or HGV driver to help the UK out of its current mess, bearing in mind that he considers Sam Allardyce obviously to be a given. Sean Dyche. Now, that, yeah, I can. I which one specifically? Sean Dyche
1: looks like a butcher. He does look like a butcher.
0: <laughs> he doesn't. You can see if him you in put a white him in, coat. put him
1: in, put him in the whites, stick him behind a counter. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he just does, and, and that's fine. You know, perfectly
0: reasonable op- occupation. I was bemoaning the other day that that Peter Sutcliffe had left us because we could have used his HGV driving skills.
1: Well, they that would have come at a cost. It would have then. come and at a cost. I don't think they. I don't think they would have let him out of Broadmoor. <laughs> but then so again, I, I don't think. I don't. I don't think that they're planning. To but it, um, lower the threshold to for, for HGV licences so <laughs> low that they will release the criminally insane.
0: Not necessarily yet, but no. it' coming. I think. It yeah, I think in. Sean yeah. Deitch is would be an excellent slaughterman. It's difficult to really think about HGV drivers. I mean, I can't imagine any current major sort of big-name football star in this country, pissing in a bottle?
1: Well, if he was employed, I'd say Tony Pulis. No, I don't think
0: oh, he is at the moment. Tony Tony... P- yeah, well, Tony Pulis actually could have done either. I think he would be a good slaughterman.
1: It's because he's, he's always wearing a baseball cap, you see. <laughs> but then he's always got a tan, hasn't he? So, you know, just as easily he could be a nightclub owner.
0: Yeah, you're only allowed to have a tan on one arm. If you're an HGV driver,
1: yeah, that's true. That
0: is true. I think Jurgen Klopp has started wearing a baseball cap. I don't know whether or not he's trying to angle himself into um, HGV. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have thought so. But isn't he into like heavy metal? Isn't he is? Isn't having an, an HGV driving license sort what? of part of that? What I don't know. You have
1: some really. Strange views of people. You really do like you know they. Your preconceptions of people don't come through that often, but when they do, they're always
0: what, weird. People who like heavy metal uh, have all got HGV driving license. Yeah.
1: Well, HG, there's a disproportionately large number of HGV drivers amongst heavy metal fans.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know.
1: But that thought had never occurred to me.
0: I don't know an awful lot. The only HGV driver that I'd know anything about, really, other than Peter Sutcliffe, is long-distance Clara from Pigeon Street. Yeah. Right. And I know that she was untypical.
1: Uh listen, listen to the 200% podcast for two middle-aged men talking about things that they don't know anything about.
0: Well, here's some this is our final question and this is something that you might know something about because if anyone has seen threads a lot, it's you. Chris Nelson asks, which player, current or former, would survive longest in a thread-style scenario?
1: So you're looking really for a hunter-gatherer, aren't you?
0: Well, yeah. I mean... uh,
1: (laughs) At the end of the day. At
0: the end of the day, yeah. In a survival situation with extremely diminished resources, you're going to need someone who's canny. You're going to need somebody who's... A good it's
1: going to be Sean Deich again, isn't it? It's a
0: good leader. <laughs> they need to have a forceful personality. I'm thinking more now in terms of um, The Walking Dead than I am Threads. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, Threads is an even more extreme survival yeah. condition because everything's yeah. radioactive and or on fire. Yeah, it, it's still Sean Deich. It is. Well, I thought... My initial thought was Mick Quinn. Is he? But I actually don't think that Mick Quinn would be the sort of person you want to have anything to do with in a survival no. situation because he would just take a pot shot at you, wouldn't
1: he? Yeah, no, I mean a lot of people in a lot of people in football you wouldn't want anywhere near you in a... under under those circumstances. Or, or, or under but any circumstances. I would I I, I would Sean Deitch, uh, yeah, I can see. I would quite happily join Camp Deitch and uh live an honest life in a in a tent under his benevolent paternal dictatorship.
0: Yeah, I personally I think I would like to join Camp Nevin. You know, he's intelligent. He's um
1: and how far does
0: that get you in a post-apocalyptic well, wasteland? Well, he's intelligent.
1: He's a socialist,
0: Where? and if, <laughs> oh, if that'll all else, yeah, and if all else happens, well, you can eat his five head.
1: <laughs> that'll help in a world in which has suddenly <laughs> become very, very brutally survival of the fittest. Look, if we share everything, then no one will have enough.
0: What if we eat you? Well. I, if I were to eat, if Pat I never, never. Yeah, I know. But if oh, I, fucks. I would use. I, would, I want him as a leader. But if I were to have to choose a modern day footballer to hang around with, with the point of view that we're going to eat him, probably Lukaku. Looks like there's some good eating on that boy.
1: Maybe I tell you, I'd want the least. Um, John Terry.
0: Oh yeah, well, on top of everything else. Yeah, <laughs> that will be 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 constantly on at your wife. I think that would be or just just my life. fucking luck to find myself in a post-apocalyptic survival <laughs> situation <laughs> with John Terry trying to pinch my <laughs> wife. <laughs> <laughs> that would just be fucking typical of my luck. Look, that would.
1: I, I'm not sure that there are many footballers that I would entrust with, with that. But for some reason, I think that Sean Dyche, you know...
0: I can see, yeah, I can see Sean Dyche. I, I imagine that Sean Dyche might not even have a house. I think he lives out in the woods like Ray Mears.
1: All right. Or you Bear grills. Yeah. Yeah, I'll d- I tell you what, actually, I was thinking a couple of minutes ago there. I wonder if has ever been in the territorial army.
0: I think he might have been in the French Foreign Legion, to be honest. Quite plausibly. He did a kepi march with a mouth full of worms. For anyway. for anyway. That's it. That's all of our questions. There's only one one more thing that needs to be said, which is that uh, Jamie Vardy is banned from the West Midland Safari Park for feeding a six-pack of beef McCoys to the giraffes. So well done, Jamie Vardy. You've scored yet another... I'm starting to think he's scoring as many goals because of this. Um... I, well, a symbiotic I, relationship whereby if he I, wins well, a golden I, boot, if he wins the European golden boot, I definitely want a piece of that.
1: Yeah, well, I my personal hope is that he's not listening to it because the correlation between him scoring goals and it being mentioned on this podcast is obviously just a correlation and he could quite easily sue you for libel. I just want to be clear that it wasn't me that said any of these things about Jamie Vardy it was all him
0: yeah well
1: just, I just wanted to be clear I just wanted that, to know. be clear but anyway right that's it we're done fucking hell this has been going on for ages Christ there you go that's the reader's letters for this week and that's your podcast for this week You can get me on social media at T-W-O-H-T and you can find him at two double zero percent pod. We'll be back again next week. Thanks very much for listening and goodbye.